0: Welcome to Around the Diamond, Ottawa's source for baseball talk.
1: This is Shortstop Junior Rowe with the Rockland Boulders. This is your boy Reggie Abercrombie. Hey, this is your boy Coop. This is Josh Wood. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Kenny Bryant from the Ottawa Champions. This is Quebec
0: Capital's third baseman and pitcher Lachlan Fontaine.
1: Hey, this is Ottawa Champion second baseman Albert Cartwright,
0: all the way from the Bahamas. You're listening to Around the Diamond with my man Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9 profiling players' careers and their life outside of baseball. Now, here's your host, Diamond Dante.
2: Seb high and deep to right, and that's out of here! Cartwright, and that's a walk-off single. Albert Cartwright wins the ballgame. Mastroberti comes in to score. Duarte up the middle, and that's the ballgame! Wilson, the one, two, big cut, and he struck him out! Wilson, back-to-back strikeouts on a slider in the dirt. Tissenbaum swings at that one.
0: And your co-host.
2: Chambers flying into third with a triple.
0: Chambers is back. He looks up, and it's off the top of the wall. Fires it back into second
2: base, and he
0: got him. Chambers slaps it the other way. Louis Cardinals World Series champion, Adron Chambers. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011.
2: Welcome to episode 54 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. It's the show that we talk about Uh, players career we uh uh, we have a little bit of a different show mapped out for you today as we are joined in studio with our co-host michael nellis michael welcome to the show and uh, thanks for being
3: here today uh it's a pleasure as always dante filling in for ad yeah as you heard, not an
2: easy task (laughs) (laughs) as you heard in the intro adron chambers uh, was supposed to be with us, will not be with us, and I have it mapped out that he's going to be uh, on next week. Of course, uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Uh, but of course, what's better than AD than uh, Michael P.
3: Nellis? It's not my name, but uh, thanks, Michael P. I don't Allen. know who it is. Who is that anyway? Michael P. Nellis. I'm sure there's one somewhere. Michael somewhere in the world. About Michael but, Allen Nellis. Yeah, that's that's it.
2: Michael Allen. Everyone Nellis. knows my full name now. <laughs> And is that my fault?
3: No. Well, yes, you just told them. But I don't care. It's not your fault. It's not like I'm upset about it.
2: Pretty good show. Am I? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but uh, pretty good show lined up for you as uh, we will have uh, two special guests. Tao of Steve joins us next. And Sebastian Boucher joins us to finish off the show as they do
3: say... Seb Hayaditrite! And
2: that's out of here. And and you probably just heard that in the intro. Oh yeah.
3: In that's why intro. I'm. That's why I'm referencing to it.
2: So Taub Steve joins us next. We're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic, and we do have something else that he wants to talk about. There's somebody <laughs> else on this show that he thinks could have contributed to Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic, but I don't know who it is, Mike.
3: I have no idea. It it might be somebody who's going to be on this show, but I I'm not going to say anything else. That's uh, I don't know. We're going to do. I don't know who it could be.
2: We're gonna join. We're gonna be joined uh, the first half of the show with Taub. Steve. It's he's gonna. A, he's gonna take you through the World Baseball Classic. To and- mystery. It, well, I don't know about that. I, I think it's a mystery. I think I, I, think I, I already personally, gave it you
3: know, uh, no, I don't know about that.
2: I think I already gave it away. <laughs> Talb, Steve joins us next. He's going to talk a little bit about the World Baseball Classic, Team Canada's roster, what they need to improve on going in uh, the, in another four years from now. And also, he's going to talk about uh, the Toronto Blue Jays offseason and spring training. We haven't spoken to Tal uh, in about, uh, I believe it's six episodes now, so there's still yeah. a lot to talk about Um, then Sebastian Boucher, the hitting coach center fielder for the Ottawa champions will join us next. And he joined me on the first ever edition of around the diamond. So it's been quite a long time. He will join us next, but for now, of course, uh, we have a jam packed show, Michael. So I do want to touch on um, some subjects here in our first segment before we um, go into this topic with Tao. Steve, of course, Tao uh, mentioned on Twitter that he wants to talk about uh, the world baseball classic. So uh, let's talk about that next, but uh, maybe our thoughts, on a Team USA winning the World Baseball Classic. Is this a big thing for
3: baseball in the U.S.? No, it's not. Really? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, like, in a way, it could help because the popularity of baseball has gone down in relation to other sports in the country. So I think you could look at it that way and say, okay, yeah, sure, maybe it is a big thing for for baseball there. But in in the reality of the situation, USA is so strong in baseball, this does not look good on the world baseball classic to have the united states winning in my opinion because it's not the best team that could have gone on the field for the united states they could have fielded a better one if they wanted to but they didn't because players didn't go well that's so as I mean. a result they won the whole thing and now the legitimacy of the tournament in my opinion is under scrutiny because you've got a team that eh we'll just send a bunch of guys that uh, want to go play and they go and win it like that's not that's not a competitive tournament is it
2: well, you're right about that. But my my kind of topic on this would be to kind of say, is this going to help more players like stars, you know, to get the Kershaws, the Baumgartners, the Mike Trouts, the Bryce yeah. Harpers into the next tournament well, maybe four years later? And we might have some other stars going into the tournament. I mean, four years from now, you never know. Like, would we expected Noah Syndergaard to come out of the gates this good in his second season baseball? We could get another guy in maybe three years that is already ready to play in the World Baseball Classic that is a star.
3: Yeah, even three years ago, you wouldn't have expected Marcus Stroman to right. be in the World Baseball Classic and he started the championship game and pitched brilliantly so um yeah no you, you really never know who's going to be pitching and who's going to be playing for the United States in 2022 I think it is the next tournament or tw- oh, 2000- years from now. 2021 sorry yeah I get my math right here folks but uh yeah no like I, I don't necessarily think that it will uh, attract better players Dante and um the correlation or the um uh, the uh, the example that I'm going to draw on for that is is going to hockey again. I'm sorry, uh, but it's the World Hockey Championship, and Canada went to the World Hockey Championship and won it last year with, our, pardon me in uh, in 2013, a couple of years ago with a super team because of the NHL lockout. Right, I remember this. And they went with the, a team that, that is a lot better than what they usually send, which is usually just the scraps of players that are not injured from the NHL season and out of the NHL playoffs so it's not the best team they usually lose this time they sent a better team and they won but those better players didn't go again the next year yeah you're right. so i don't necessarily think this is going to change anything well
2: i mean mcdavid played in the world hockey championship
3: he did yeah he did and yeah. uh that's well he was younger but yeah, he was. that he was, was like uh, 18 i think yeah and, and he hasn't been back since but uh, you never know maybe hey if uh if if they um, if if Edmonton manages to miss the playoffs down the road, but anyway, that's uh, I a mean, that's, that's a topic that, for that, another show. That
2: is a possibility. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking baseball here on Around the Diamond. Diamond Dante and Michael Nellis here uh, in the booth, I guess you could call it. But of course, uh, as you mentioned, USA uh, not sending their best players out there the World Baseball Classic. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to mention is that I think. Maybe Puerto Rico, the Netherlands, making it as far as they did is going to improve the game in those specific countries. And one stat that I wanted to throw out there in terms of baseball in Puerto Rico, there is only 25 major league players from Puerto Rico that are currently on MLB rosters right now. So, I mean, although you would think, oh, Puerto Rico, baseball, they're really big. Carlos Beltran, Yadier Molina, uh, Javier Baez, you know, the list goes on and on. They actually don't have that many current Major League players on rosters right now.
3: Yeah, uh, which is surprising to a lot of people. You don't necessarily expect that because the top echelon of MLB players has players from Puerto Rico in it. You just listed them, you know, guys like Beltran and Baez, right? So um, the fact that that those players... Have the ability to kind of give their team legitimacy, almost cast a bit of a shadow over the fact that there aren't too many good players from uh, Puerto Rico. And, at least uh, they're all in the
2: minor leagues right now.
3: Yeah, and and you know what? I think this will, this will help uh, them, but I don't think people realize necessarily how much of an upset it really was uh, to see Puerto Rico in the final, or at least how much of a surprise. I don't think an upset uh, is the right uh, term. But I
2: think they got to change the pools, right?
3: Yeah, well,
2: well... I mean, they played the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And, and look at the talent that the Netherlands had. And, and going back to that topic, I well, think... Well, because
3: of Curacao, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Curacao, Aruba, mm-hmm. uh, there were a few players. Oh, actually, we saw the tallest major league player, or sorry, tallest player ever step onto the field. Seven foot one, a pitcher from the Netherlands. I didn't know that. Yeah, he st- he, he actually he got walked off. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he pitched, I mean... And who he, was that? Uh I I forget his name Okay but. so
3: let's uh, let's pull it up. I'm I'm curious here. So, let's uh, not leave our listeners in the uh, in, in the dark.
2: No, it's uh, so uh, he's from the, he's legit from the Netherlands. He's a tall white guy. I mean, I don't not to <laughs> go off topic, but anyways.
3: Yeah, well they're all from Curaçao, so it is notable.
2: Well, he he's actually not from Curaçao. Yeah, well
3: that's what, that's what I'm saying is that he's the one that's not. So Exactly. Uh Lok van Mill is yes, his name. Yeah, that's what it was. That's Lok van Mill. He's from um where's he from? Os Ost-Netherlands. Yeah. So, so. Fr- so he is. Him from- and Kali and Soms are actually from the Netherlands.
2: Kali yes. and Soms <laughs> played in the, uh, for the Quebec Capitals last year. Of
3: course he did. And Two years now. He was a bench player for the Netherlands, got into a couple games, and, and uh, it was he nice started, to see.
2: started in the semifinal. That's
3: true. I was surprised to see that, yeah. but I was glad to see it.
2: Well, the reason was is because um, Didi Gregorius got injured. And that's another reason. We're going to go on to this. Note. Okay. I am pissed, Mike.
3: You're pissed. Yes, I am. Why is that?
2: Because coaches keep interfering with the World Baseball Classic in terms of sending players there. There should be They should be going there to represent their countries. But at the end of the day, Michael, you, you look at now everybody's, oh, Didi Gregorius is injured for a month. He's not going to start at short stuff for the Yankees. What's the big deal?
3: So um, I, I, I don't necessarily blame owners and coaches and organizations for not wanting their players to go yeah, but- because – in the end, yeah, sure, it'll give them a good experience. But if they get injured, if they get injured, there's a, there is a possibility. You know, we, we saw this, and I, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use the example because it would be bringing hockey into it again, yeah, and I don't want to do that. that. So I'm gonna stop. Um, but there are examples all over sports in international competitions where owners don't send their players to situation uh, to to big tournaments to not put themselves in a vulnerable Baseball's situation baseball's the biggest one and it's because you can lose a player and it would have such a big effect on your team imagine if the blue jays lost josh donaldson can you imagine and well, and and like it's it's not like the way that it it's laid out now you know last year they had encarnacion bautista uh, donaldson tulowitzki they had all the stars this year they're a little bit lighter because they've lost edwin if they lose donaldson they're not a playoff team no you know and 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 w- when coaches discourage players from going to represent their countries internationally. It's because they want their teams to perform well. And in the end, fans, yeah, they might not like it now, but they'll like it when their team's in the World Series yeah, because they're healthy. That's why
2: Canada won the Pan Am Games in 2015 and the U.S. didn't.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Because, because no well, one's going, and right? You've got guys it's the Pan in the Am games, games, right? It's it's not even yeah, well that too, right? But but there's not even uh, as much of a, a an alert to play in the Pan Am Games for Americans as there is in the World Baseball. But classic. Canadians, yeah. And the World Baseball Classic didn't even have that. Now Canada in the Pan Am Games had an old team, like they did uh, in the World Baseball Classic, a very similar roster. And they did much better. They won gold because, well, first of all, there weren't as many teams to compete with because the Pan Am Games, is only the Americas. But nobody sent their players. So that's not a real tournament. And it's like what we're going to see in the Olympics if baseball ever goes to the Olympics again, too.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I remember, what was it, the 2004 Olympics in Athens? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, May- Canada had a bunch of minor league players, right, Mm. at the end of the day. Uh, Just before we wrap things up and uh, bring on Taub, Steve from sportsnet.ca, one thing that I did want to mention in terms of uh, coaches interfering with players is that in the semifinal, um, the LA Dodgers told the Netherlands that you have one inning out of Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen threw eight pitches and got three batters out, and they couldn't use him for another inning. And that was something that I wished, hey, listen, can we have him for a second inning? You know what I mean? Like, I
3: understand. Like, he threw eight pitches. Eight pitches. Yeah, I know. You could. You, it's a little extreme. It, it, is. it really is. They're if like, he's one there. Inning, one but inning. Here, and, and don't send him. Here's the thing, though, right? It, that's it. If you're sending him, then he's there, right? He's there for use. So the Netherlands were kind of. If kinda, you don't want him to be used, yeah. then just don't pitch well, him ne- ne- at all. The, don't let him go. Well, the that's Netherlands what I lost
2: the game because they had the rule with runners at second and first, and they couldn't use Kenley Jansen. They had to bring in Van Milk. A seven foot one guy.
3: Yeah, and Van Milk got walked off.
2: Exactly. And you know what I mean? Like especially for a guy like Van Milk, you know, Kenley Jansen's pitched out of guys at runners at bases loaded with no outs. We've seen him do it. He's one of the best pitchers in the game. But they used him in the ninth because the Netherlands were trying to set up the the you know the closing situation for Jansen. I mean that's a story for another day. But I do, I just didn't like how coaches were interfering. If you're gonna send the guy, don't say hey, he's got one inning, give a certain amount of pitches. Because if Jansen's gonna throw eight pitches in one inning then I mean you know what I mean yeah give a pitch limit right Mm -hmm. that's the way I feel I agree so we're going to wrap things up for our first segment Sportsnet's Tao Steve will join us next to talk a little bit more about the World Baseball Classic and the Toronto Blue Jays you're listening to episode 53 of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9 we'll be back in a few
0: is Quebec Capitao's third baseman and pitcher Lachlan Fontaine
2: from Vancouver, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with
0: Diamond Dante on TKDJ 107.9.
2: Welcome back to episode 54 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. I'm your host, Diamond Dante. Alongside me is Michael Nellis. As we mentioned earlier on the show, we were going to talk a little bit more about the World Baseball Classic and about the Toronto Blue Jays during their spring training. Uh, let's check in with Sportsnet's Tao Steve, who is joining us over the phone. Tao, welcome back to the show.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Hey, it's always nice to talk If you, Tao. And uh, you, you mentioned this on Twitter, of course, just before we recorded the show. Uh, Canada, obviously, 0-3 at the World Baseball Classic. I want to hear your thoughts and maybe some s- someone that might that is coming on later in the show that could have possibly helped Team Canada at the World Baseball Classic.
0: Yeah, it, it was a, a grim tournament for Canada, I think, and, and I don't think that that's any... Um, it's... It, it, it was maybe a little more of a, a surprise just in terms of how bad it looked at times. But, um, you know, I, I think that they were just so thin and obviously they didn't have an awful lot of latitude to lose as many players as they did. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly the player's right to not go and play in that tournament. Um, but, uh, having seen who was there, I, I think it, it, it did occur to me a couple of times that uh, that Sebastian Boucher would have actually been uh, a, a very useful player uh, on that team, and and I think even seeing what uh, Jonathan Malo, who uh, who plays in the Can-Am League, uh, did, and and really I think kind of stood out as one of the the, the players um, from Team Canada who had a nice tournament. And as he was doing what he was doing, it did strike me that. You know, a a guy who has a really great approach at the plate um, could have gone in there and, uh, you know, even if not necessarily starting, certainly could have uh, been a, a good bat on the bench for them.
3: How, uh, so essentially, a bat on the bench is, is where you you see Sebastian Boucher, and 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 it's funny. Like a lot of people, I guess, w- would probably just reference his age, but you look at the average age of this th- of the Canadian team, and 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 that had to be the main issue because uh, the majority of the players that they leaned on were into their late 30s and 40s.
0: Yeah, it was it was an odd team in the sense that you had players who uh, were. Were prospects were sort of emerging, and then you had guys who were retired, and it, it kind of seemed like there wasn't <laughs> yeah. a ton in between those two. So, you know, I, I, it was a it was an odd team in some ways. I think I almost would have preferred to see like a, a prospect team show up there. And and while uh, I, I think that um, I think that Ryan Dempster had a couple of good innings, he also had a couple of really lousy innings. Um, you know, I, I salute him for uh, coming back and trying to do what he was trying to do, but, you know, honestly, I, I think that the second start uh, for him um, was uh, was probably uh, too much to ask for a guy who really hadn't been in the game for some time, and, and I think... Um, some of the uh, some of the younger players might have been better served by getting some of those innings. And I, I'm I'm rocking my brain now to try and remember. I watched an awful lot of baseball late at night and early in the morning over the last week. So, um, but but there were a handful of Canada's pitchers who came out and, and acquitted themselves uh, okay. Um, Is that Quantrill? Uh, or very well in in some of the mid and uh, later innings of games? And then um, it was it, it was at the same time, fun to see Eric Gagne. And I think he. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not if um, anyone uh, comes knocking on his door just to see whether or not if he can do what he did in a couple of innings um, in uh, in the Major League regular season.
3: Talking to Tao of Steve of Sportsnet.ca on Around the Diamond. And Tao, um, we spoke about the older players and, and you kind of alluded to the younger players and how uh, Canada may have been better served being a prospect team. There were two... M- prospects that got a decent amount of playing time in the tournament and specifically uh, early on and against the Toronto Blue Jays as well. Uh, Tyler O'Neill and Drew Naylor uh, were in the middle of the lineup against Toronto and and, uh, a lot of people were impressed by them. What did you think?
0: Uh, Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, uh, Tyler O'Neill is a name that's floated around. I think this might have been my first chance to be able to actually uh, see him um, to to see him play against the Blue Jays and then these games in the World Baseball Classic, um, you know, uh, obviously a real big strong kid and and uh, even a couple of his outs, I think he hit fairly well. Um, did still look a, a, a little bit overmatched by some of the better pitching that uh, mm-hmm. that he faced, but um, uh, but certainly um, he uh, he was good. Uh, Naylor um i I'll, I'll be honest it didn't leave a huge impression on me and again that's probably more on me than on him right. um but but uh, uh you know I, again it was it was it was good to see some of these um some of these younger players uh get their opportunity uh to come in um it, it maybe just would have been good to have had a a, a couple of uh, of guys uh to support them but you know it, it was When you have about uh, 16 to 18 major league uh, caliber uh, Canadian baseball players and, you know, this offseason just ended up being, I think, a little bit of a fluke where you had a few of them who were coming off injuries, uh, transitioning from teams. um, You know, it it was it was a bit of a fluke that they couldn't get more than they did um, in terms of uh, of uh, major league representation.
2: Joined here with SportsNets Taub Steve here on Around the Diamond live on CKDJ one oh seven nine. You can also find the podcast on iTunes and on uh, SoundCloud as well. And uh, just moving over from uh, the uh, World Baseball Classic, I want to ask you, uh, well, I still want to stick with the World Baseball Classic. I just want to move over from Canada's performance there. I want to hear your thoughts on Marcus Stroman's performance in the WBC final. Uh, He took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. Is that a performance for Stroman that he could build on going into the 2017 Major League season for the Blue Jays?
0: Well, you certainly hope so, and I think that uh, Stroman's second half last year um, I think was uh, much better than his first half. I think that he's a guy who has had a lot of pitches in his arsenal and I think has started to um, uh, to maybe refine it and to focus on a couple of uh, pitches that uh, are maybe the, the strongest weapons for him. Um, you know, he had a, a, bad, uh, a bad inning against um, Puerto Rico where it just seemed that they just kept Kind of uh, babbipping him, um, you know, one single after another. But, uh, but I think that there was a lot to like about what people would have seen with uh, with Marcus Stroman in this tournament. And I think the fact that um, he is really, uh, I think, taking advantage of the of. Uh, the lower end of the strike zone, uh, he's got stuff that moves. Um, I, I think that he is going to have uh, potentially a very good season for the Blue Jays this year. And, you know, in a rotation that has a fair bit of depth, um, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, even with all of the, the, the high-end uh, talent that I think the Blue Jays have in that uh, rotation, if Stroman doesn't come away at the end of the year looking like the best.
3: Here
2: with Sportsnet's Tal of Steve, we are now uh, finishing our topic with the World Baseball Classic. And uh, one thing that I just want to talk generally about the World Baseball Classic, you were just talking about Marcus Stroman and his performance in the final. Uh, what are some of the changes that we need to see going into the 2021 World Baseball Classic? One thing that I alluded to in the first segment is that the time of games got to change. We can't be starting games at 9 p.m. Eastern time and finishing them at 2 in the morning. It's just taking too long.
0: Yeah, um, it's certainly. I, I, I think that they were timing those in such a way. I, I, I mean, I I like the early morning and late night games, but having said that, I also was waking up uh, on my couch having fallen asleep uh, for the last <laughs> couple of innings of a whole bunch of those games. So, um, and that might not necessarily be the the best approach for for MLB going forward, but. Um, just in thinking about the locations where they can have those games I think that they are kind of uh, somewhat limited to um, uh, to Florida to um, uh, Southern California um, uh, but it would be interesting to see how they how they approach that uh, for the next tournament you know there, there's something that I said I think after the last tournament and that's something that I've heard echoed elsewhere uh, from some other folks which is the idea of having the um, either the semifinals and, and finals, uh, as part of the All Star break, uh, and wow. I think in that sense it would be an opportunity to perhaps have more of a best on best tournament uh, for the uh, for the final four of the tournament. I mean, I think that might detract a little bit from uh, from the tournament in the spring, um, and. The more that I thought about it, the more that I don't mind having the full tournament in the spring. And even if it isn't a best on best tournament, it's still a really fun tournament to watch. Um, so, uh, but I, you know, I, I think the U.S. winning uh, is potentially something that might help. Uh, to attract some more players to come and play for their country, um, you know, uh, Puerto Rico, the Dominican, Venezuela, Colombia—you know, uh, a lot of the Latin countries didn't have any problem attracting their top talent. Um, I think that uh, that the U.S. you know obviously didn't have Bryce Harper or Mike Trout, but they had a pretty incredible team, especially considering that they had Paul uh, Paul Goldschmidt um, sitting, sitting on up. the sidelines. Um, for, uh, for a big chunk of the tournament. And I think the last thing, I, I don't care for the teams, which are more about heritage as opposed to actual um, uh, um, provenance or nationality. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know necessarily that having Italy and Israel in this tournament um, enhances uh, the state of baseball in either of those countries. Um, I probably am just a bit sore about the fact that Italy has beaten Canada twice in this tournament, but, uh, but I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that, but I think that, um, that those two teams did definitely gather some added uh, attention and, and you would expect to see them back. Uh, for the next tournament,
2: Tal, you're killing me because Michael Nellis is fist pumped in to my right. He he's agreeing with every single point that you that you're putting out here. With the he likes the late games. He mentioned in the first segment that he wants to keep the late games. Um, obviously, you you know changing the venues would probably be something that would be smart. Uh, maybe put it in Toronto. I believe they have it in in 2009. He was in Toronto. But another thing uh, that you mentioned. Um, that, that that Mike was going on about is taking Israel and Italy out of the out of the well, classic, but I would disagree because I'm Italian and I want to see all the Italian well, guys in there.
3: But 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 here I'll, I'll I'll tell you like maybe it's not a question of, of and the it, they're not Italians though right? like they're they're, they're they're Italian, Italian. Americans. So the, the rules on what country you can play for are extremely loose in this tournament. Yeah. We talked about Albert Cartwright being from the Bahamas and playing yeah, but for that's Great, from Britain, Great Britain. But no, they're not a, they haven't been a, a British territory for a long long time, but anyway
2: we will take a quick break. When we come back, Sportsnet's Taub Steve will still be with us, and he's going to talk this time more about uh, the Toronto Blue Jays offseason and uh, where they stand at in terms of in spring training and the possibility of them signing Angel Pagan out of free agency and maybe to be the left, se- uh, left fielder for the 2017 Toronto Blue Jays season. You're listening to episode 54 of Around the Diamond on CKDJ 107.9. We'll be back with Taub Steve in a few.
3: Hey, this is Milwaukee Brewers Art Charles, and you're listening to Around the Diamond on CKDJ
2: 107.9. Welcome back to episode 54 of Around the Diamond, live on CKDJ 107.9. Diamond Dante here with our co-host Michael Nellis. Still joining us over the phone is Sportsnet's author of Steve, and our Toronto Blue Jays insider. In the free agent market that has been linked to the Toronto Blue Jays, that we saw uh, pretty closely leading off for Team Puerto Rico, and that's Angel Pagan. How real is this rumor? Uh, do the Blue Jay are the Blue Jays actually interested in signing Pagan?
0: Well, definitely difficult to say at this point. I mean, there there have been a, a couple of uh, rumors reported, and John Heyman is floating this out uh, yeah. today, and and John. Uh, I don't think is um, uh, is disreputable in terms of a reporter, but um, you know i I could see a possibility here i I think that part of what's happened with the blue Jays left field picture in uh, in spring training this year is that there's nobody who's kind of jumped up and really grabbed the role uh, and and I think more to the point uh, they have a certain amount of uh, question in terms of whether or not if um, uh, Steve Pierce is going to be able to to play the field. And, and that's something that I think is uh, coming into a little bit more stark relief. I mean, I don't think that he's played left field yet in spring training and, and you know, we're two weeks away from the regular season. So um, I think that uh, that it's possible that they could be looking at Pagan. I think that the the other – piece to that though, is that you are acquiring a player who I, I don't think has necessarily the greatest, um, uh, health history. Uh, there were some discussions about the idea that he had potentially failed a physical, but I know that, uh, um, that, uh, that the Orioles general manager, um, subsequently, um, denied that in a, in a fashion, um, I I wouldn't mind seeing the Blue Jays take a a, a shot at Pagan, but I, it certainly would mean that they would end up moving some players off of their roster, and I think that you would have to imagine that um, that uh, someone like Melvin Upton Jr. would would have to come off the roster, or or potentially Ezekiel Carrera. Um, and with Carrera, I'm not sure that he has played. Uh, I would have to go back and check. I'm still in World Baseball Classic mode, so I, I haven't been tracking the the, the Blue Jays um, day-to-day in spring training as, as closely as I might have. But I don't know if uh, Ezekiel Carrera has has played much since he had the collision uh, with Darwin Barney. And so if there's a question as to whether or not if he's going to be ready to answer the bell, then then yeah, I think that they might want to take a, a look at Pagan, um, who's asking for $5 million. So it's not wow. an insignificant amount of money. Mm-hmm. It's just, I guess, whether or not, if he would be willing or if he is ready to uh, come down from that figure, and if the Blue Jays think they can they can um, absorb that given their uh, current expenditures.
2: Well, I would. I mean, I would. I wouldn't think that Pagan would get five million because it's so late in the off season. But that's just my point, Michael. Go ahead.
3: Um, okay, so you've mentioned a lot of variables there in the Blue Jays outfield, Tao, and um, just just going off all those points that you touched on. On the opening day lineup, let's say, like, or the opening day roster, who do you see in the outfield?
0: Well, uh, I I think at this point, I think at this point, I would uh, I would see you know Pilar in center, uh, Batista in right, and then I think my best guess is Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce, Um, but a lot has to be answered in the next few weeks as to his uh, ability to play out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's not Steve Pearce, uh, then I think uh, that I think you would be looking at Melvin Upton at this point.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he he's got speed, and and you would think that uh, uh, it would be a pretty good option in left field, although he's not the same player that we saw with the Tampa Bay Rays. But maybe he can be half of that uh, this season in 2017 with the I, Toronto Blue Jays.
3: I was a Melvin Upton fan last oh, year. I, 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 I mean,
2: I, I never yeah. thought he was a bad player, no. but uh, as we take a look more into the Blue Jays roster, there are still some questions in the bullpen, uh, but more how the bullpen is going to be aligned this year. Now, Tao, I know it's tough to say over the phone, but I'm going to give you a little bit of time uh, to think about this. Uh, what would the bullpen alignment look like for you at this point in the season? Obviously, uh, we know that – sorry, going into the 2017 season, we obviously we know Roberto Osuna is going to be the closer. From then on down, We, I mean, we don't exactly know – you know who's the setup guys, and who are going to be the middle relief and long men. So, uh, you know, from what you could say, just from thinking about this off the top of your head, um, what is the bullpen alignment going to look like for the Blue Jays in the 2017 season?
0: Well, I think, especially considering where people were uh, at the beginning of uh, the off season and, and where people thought that this might be the real downfall of this team, I, I think that they have have kind of uh, sneakily. Pulled together a really strong bullpen. You know, J.P. Howell I think was a, a really good acquisition. I think Joe Smith as well. Um, uh, you know, they'll have Osuna I think slotted in as a as a closer. You you support him with Jason Grilly and and Joe Biagini um, and, and the other couple of pitchers that I that that I had mentioned before. I mean, there there are you know some guys who are going to be around this. Seven slots in the in the bullpen, and then realistically, I mean, just about any team runs out about fifteen to twenty relievers in the run of a year. I mean, that's sort of the nature of of the game. Um, and with the the new um, uh, the new um, uh, disabled list rules this year, uh, I think that it's uh, very plausible that you're going to have. Teams who will uh, bounce players back and forth between the minors and the major league uh, team, or um, use some strategic uh, DL uh, time in order to move a guy down, let him uh, sit for 10 days, and, and then uh, come back. So it'll be, I think that there's a, that in terms of the depth, um, uh, there are a lot of names that are in the mix. And frankly, I there's going to be probably four or five names um that by the end of the season that we wouldn't be able to put our finger on now. Much in the same way that uh, uh that walking Benoit and, and and Jason Grilly, the contribution that they made last year was not something that you could have imagined um when you were sitting in March in uh, in Dunedin and, and looking at the prospects for what the team um and and the bullpen would look like for the next year.
2: Well, sounds pretty good, Tao. Thanks so much for talking about the World Baseball Classic. It was nice to hear your thoughts on the whole tournament itself. As you mentioned, you're still in WBC mode. And, of course, uh, thanks so much for talking about the Toronto Blue Jays on episode 54 of Around the Diamond. And uh, I guess uh, we'll touch base again soon.
0: Okay. My pleasure. And make sure to tell Seb that I said nice things about
2: I will. Thank you so much, (laughs) Tao.
0: Okay. Cheers.
2: We'll take a quick break. When we come back, Sebastian Boucher, the current center fielder and hitting coach for the Ottawa champions will join us coming up next and it's a perfect segue because Talb Steve gave him a shout out in the last segment and then we're going to talk with Seb maybe about that to start off uh, the end of the show. You're listening to Around the Diamond episode 54 on CKDJ 107.9.
0: Hey, this is Edwin Jackson, and you're listening to Around the Diamond with Diamond Dante on CKDJ 107.9. Welcome
2: back to episode 54 of Around the Diamond here on CKDJ 1079. Once again, I'm your host, Diamond Dante, joined alongside Michael Nellis. Before, we were talking with SportsNet's Tauv Steeb about the World Baseball Classic and the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, we are joined with 2006 Team Canada World Baseball Classic alumni and the Ottawa Champion center fielder slash hitting coach, Sebastian Boucher. Seb, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, thanks, guys. Good to be there.
2: And hey, listen, it's been quite a long time. Did you know that you were my first ever guest on Around the Diamond? And now it's been 54 episodes. So 54 weeks since you came on the show.
1: Well, I'm actually honored to be your first guest. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I'm actually, uh, that's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's been a long run for you. So. It's uh, it's nice to
2: be back on the show. It, it, it really has, and and Sebastian, of course, uh, in our last segment, uh, Steve came on and pretty much said, "Hey, listen, I think Sebastian Boucher could have helped uh, his friend Jonathan Malo in the World Baseball Classic." So I want to hear your thoughts on the way that the tournament went for Team Canada. Of course, they were 0-3. It, it seemed you know it seemed like they had a lot of veteran guys. But Seb, what were your thoughts on the World Baseball Classic for Team Canada?
1: I think uh I think they were in a tough pool to begin with. I mean, uh anytime where you have to go against the US and and uh Dominican Republic you're you're in tough shape. So uh those are always great ball clubs and, and it's always hard to get out of a pool like that. But uh as far as uh you know the team goes, I think uh they had a bunch of, a bunch of great guys. I think they had a few key players missing. I think they, they could have benefited from uh a Joey Vado and a Russell Martin for sure. uh but I mean You know, we're always proud of our team, uh, our Canadian teams, and, uh, you know, this is the same no matter what the showing is.
2: And and speaking of the World Baseball Classic roster for Team Canada, um, you mentioned key players like Joey Votto and Russell Martin, even Michael Saunders not uh, on the team now. Seb, I wanted to ask you about one particular player that, Is from the U.S. that decided to represent Canada. He wanted to represent, I believe, his mother who passed away when he was at the young age of, I believe, 10 years old, and that's Freddie Freeman. And it seems like that was a pretty good sign for Canada to get guys uh, that have that Canadian descent want to play for Team Canada.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime anybody wants to represent Canada and you have your roots, I think uh, no matter where you're born, if you have those Canadian roots, you kind of want to want to show them up a little bit and I think that's where Freddie uh, found himself I think uh, wanting to honor his parents as well so it's a pretty good story to get on his side and, and it was good for, for Canada as well.
3: Seb, uh, you played for Canada at the World Baseball Classic uh, 2006 and uh, you know since then there's there's been a lot of changes in, in baseball and, and I, I just wanted to ask you um, what the difference is uh, from the World Baseball Classic when you played to what it is now, how much has it changed or improved?
1: Well, I think uh, as far I think a lot more players are getting involved. I think Major League Baseball is really putting all its weight behind it, and players are kind of really getting behind it as well. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. a there's a few exceptions with players wanted wanting to further their careers and stuff like that, and that's understandable too. But as far as uh, I think most nations are really getting into it, I think. Uh, It's really helping baseball develop across the world, which is a really good thing.
2: Here with Ottawa champions, center fielder, and hitting coach Sebastian Boucher, live on Around the Diamond here on CKDJ. 1079 of course once again you can find the podcast on itunes and on soundcloud of course we're talking about the world baseball classic with uh, al- an alumni of the world baseball classic in 2006 sebastian boucher and uh, obviously uh, the, the starting shortstop for team canada was jonathan malo he announced his retirement after the tournament now could you even put into words uh, what your good friend jonathan malo has done for canada uh, in terms of baseball but not only baseball in canada but for baseball in quebec
1: Oh, yeah. John, John. Johnny is a great ambassador for, for baseball, I think, uh, throughout his career. I've got the privilege to play with him, play against him in the minors, and uh, he's always been a great guy. And to see him finish his career on a note like that with the with the showing that he's had at the World Baseball Classic is just phenomenal. I think I couldn't be more proud of my friend and uh, and the things that he's done.
3: It's fun seeing him showcase his versatility, too, because he played as the shortstop for Team Canada, but for the last couple of years in Quebec, he has played some shortstop, but mainly he's been at second base, and and he really excelled uh, at short in that tournament.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think uh, shortstop is his main position, Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, logistically, with uh, the players they had in Quebec, it was more fitting for him to to play second base, which which worked out. But, I mean, for everything that he's done and uh, how versatile he is, I think he's a great uh, example of what Can-Am players can do.
2: <laughs> Speaking of Jonathan Malo, Claude Peltier... The, the good old Claude Peltier uh, head scout from the New York Mets of the area of Canada pretty much came on the show twice now and said Jonathan Malo is uh, one of the most versatile Canadian baseball players that we have hmm. currently playing baseball and uh, re- what a good career for Malo uh, who retired after the, uh, the the finishing of the World Baseball Classic. Now I just want to move over to the Ottawa Champions season in 2017. We're here with Sebastian Bouchie the, uh, the uh, center fielder for the Ottawa Champions and hitting coach. Uh, Steve Brown came on the show, I believe it was three episodes ago and he mentioned that you had a big part in his signing so what could you tell us on that front in terms of signing Steve Brown
1: well for signing Steve Grant, Brown uh, that was really big for us I think uh, just to help out I think it's really going to help out our uh, our offense uh, throughout the board so it's a really big addition as far as getting him over me and him are really good friends and he called me told me that he, he was uh, being put on waivers and uh, as soon as I found that out, I was uh, I was advocating to Hal and Miles about, uh, you know, we need this guy. He's a really positive, uh, positive asset for our ball club. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that from then uh, we've been pushing for him until we got him. So uh, we're really fortunate to get a player like, like Steve in, onto our ball club, and, and we're looking forward to this season with him.
3: Seb, the interesting thing that I heard you say there is that Steve called you, so he's reaching out to you, and it seems like that's a bit of a pattern now, where guys are, you know, noticing uh, what a great place to play Ottawa is, and they want to come here. Is that fair to say?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think the, what the organization has done, and uh, you know, the increased support of our fans has really helped out to build an atmosphere here in Ottawa. I think uh, most players see this this as a, a future major market. And it's and it's a great place to be. I mean, you know, Ottawa was a a great town, and and uh, players uh, really enjoy playing here.
2: Well, it seems like Sebastian Boucher is the new Jonathan Malo and <laughs> Michael, isn't isn't that right? What do you mean? Well, I mean Malo, from what the guy that we've talked about. Guys that from Quebec that have came on the show, and it's always my recruiting them. Ah, so now Seb's okay. the new recruiter. But my, you you can go ahead, Mike.
3: <laughs> I guess that is a good correlation. But um, anyway, uh, the the other thing that I was gonna talk about, Seb, is. Um uh, we had Hal Lanier on the show a couple weeks ago, and and he spoke about um, th- there's a backlog of a backlog of outfielders, so to speak, with you and Steve, and then Matt Helms and Adron Chambers as well, all capable players who should be playing in the Can-Am League. So um, one of the things that Hal mentioned was um, uh, a rotation through the DH spot. He didn't really go into specifics, but is that something that you see happening this year?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think that was the plan that me and Hal kind of, kind of discuss yeah. with uh, with the arrival of Steve. Uh, I think it's mainly for me. I'm not getting any younger either, so I kind of <laughs> need my rest as much as possible. My legs aren't as great as they used to be, so uh, whenever I can take a DH, a DH spot, I'll take it. So uh, I think that's kind of a, a situation where we're going to allow our players to rest up a little bit in the outfield, and uh, we'll be able to carry forward through the season
2: talking with Sebastian Boucher, the current center fielder and hitting coach for the Ottawa Champions. And now that we're talking about the outfield alignment and maybe a possible rotation, do you feel that uh, the days that you have a chance to DH gives you uh, more time to focus on the hitting aspect of things as the hitting coach?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. That's another plus for me. Uh, You know, when I'm playing, when I'm on the field, I don't really get to assess everything until the end of the game. So if I'm able to do adjustments, As far as with the players offensively throughout the game, I think that's a plus for us as well.
3: Now, uh, one thing that I, that I and I've talked to you about this before, Seb, but um, your career year last year in terms of uh, breaking records yeah. and setting a record for walks in a season in the Can-Am League with 87 last year, uh, that was uh, really impressive to watch from upstairs in the booth from where me and Dante were all year. Um, can you just give me a bit of a refresher and give everybody listening a bit of a refresher on, on what your plate approach is to get so many walks?
1: Oh uh, well actually it's it's quite simple it's uh it's discipline i think uh, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot has to do with my discipline at the plate uh you know when i go up to the plate i'm looking for one thing and one thing only until i get into uh a tough situation where i have two strikes or something like that where i'm more protecting but uh, as far as uh when i'm in a hitter's count or something like that i'm always looking for something specific and i stick to my plan uh as far as all the walks uh I, I think that kind of correlates with a little bit with uh, my ability to fall off pitches and and mm-hmm. really be really be selective in, into my approach.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, here comes another nine-eight pitch at bat from Sebastian Boucher, the Ottawa champion center fielder. Doesn't that sound familiar?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. <laughs>
2: So so uh, just to kind of finish off the interview here, uh, Seb, I wanted to ask you about uh, your mentality coming into s- the season when working with some of the rookies that are going to be coming in. Of course, there are a few rookies uh, that are going to be coming to spring training, Tyler Norgren, infielder Brandon Fisher. But maybe another rookie that uh, has spent the last two years with you guys is Danny Grauer, who is definitely going to try to maybe change his approach and change, uh, um, maybe try to... Uh, hit for a higher average than hitting home runs. Of course, he was really good behind the plate. So as the hitting coach, what is your mentality coming into the season to maybe help some of the younger rookies on this team?
1: Well, as far as uh, goes with uh, Danny Grauer, I think uh, we did some really good things at the end of the season where he started catching on a little bit. He did a lot better near the end. And I think we're t- going to try to build off of that. Uh, he's getting a little bit more selective himself at the plate. He's starting to be more patient, which is good as well which is really helping uh, his approach. And as far as the new guys, I still have to meet them. I haven't seen them on the field yet, so uh, that will be a work in progress as we go through spring training. We're going to have to really sit down with them and see where they're at, and then we're going to go from there
2: and maybe down the road before we wrap things up what is uh, what are you trying to do in terms of baseball here in Ottawa I spoke with uh, Jason Coker during the week and he says that you're doing a real good job with your academy out in the Quebec side so what is your goal in terms of growing uh, baseball in the city of Ottawa as you know not only uh, maybe an ambassador for Canadian baseball in the city of Ottawa but also uh, you know one of the star players on the Ottawa Champions
1: yeah, well, with my uh, with my academy, what we're Jason Coker's on at Ding, over at Dingers, and really, we're really working together to try to unite the two sides. I think most um, most amateur sports, as, as as far as it goes to the elite level, we always end up having to travel. Like on the Quebec side, they travel to Montreal. On the Ottawa side, they travel out to Toronto. And that's we're really trying to uh, eliminate that as as much as possible. And uh, really kind of create a a unified Ottawa Gatineau region as far (laughs) as baseball goes, which is uh, uh, really important, I think, to to help grow the sport in the city.
2: Well, sounds pretty good to me. I definitely have to uh, come out and check that out someday. Hey, Seb. Thanks so much for taking the time and talking to Mike and I on, uh, on episode 54 of Around the Diamond. And uh, I guess we'll, uh, well, I probably won't see you at spring training, but Mike's going to see you, so we'll talk hey, again this soon. this is Manny Cruz from the Cincinnati right, Reds. Looking forward to it. That was Sebastian Boucher of your Ottawa Champions, the current center fielder and hitting coach going into the 2017 season. Welcome back to episode 54 of Around the Diamond. We'll talk about some new rules issued by the Major League. In terms of pace of play, let's up next, Michael on episode we we're talking the with Diamond Sportsnet's DJ and we're also talking with Sebastian Boucher. And uh, Taub Steve, I didn't get a chance to mention this, but we do have still some time left in the show uh, before we wrap things up in our final segment here. Uh, Taub Steve wrote an article on Sportsnet about a month and a half ago talking about pace of play in the Major Leagues. Now, Michael, before we get into uh, the subject of pace of play and the new rules uh, on that guideline, why don't you take us through the, the four most important uh, rules issued by Major League Baseball changing pace of play uh, for the 2017. There
3: were seven rules issued. Here are the four uh, biggest ones, in our opinion, from what we've uh, gathered from the list. So the start of a no-pitch intentional walk, allowing the defensive team's manager to signal a decision to the home plate umpire to to intentionally walk the batter. A 30-second limit for a manager to decide whether to challenge a play and invoke replay review. When a manager has exhausted his challenges for the game, crew chiefs may now invoke replay review for non-home run calls beginning in the 8th inning instead of the 7th inning, and a conditional 2-minute guideline for replay officials to render a decision on replay review, allowing various exceptions.
2: Now, right off the bat, Michael throw the four-pitch walk out the door. I don't care. Throw it out the door.
3: Like you don't you don't want the four you don't want no, them don't. to to throw the four pitches. Or you don't want them... I don't
2: want to, hey, yeah, yeah, go, go.
3: So you want them to throw the four pitches? Yes. Okay.
2: I mean, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't change. In the MLB... How many walks are there in a game like that? There's not a lot.
3: No, there's not. So I, I think, um, well, first of all, I think you see it more in the playoffs. So you're going to get a little bit more of a... Well, I don't, a... Want,
2: I don't want the manager to go do do some signs and then say, yeah, you go go. Go to first. Actually, let's walk another guy. I mean, it doesn't make any sense.
3: They're going to figure out ways to get around it, okay? Oh, yeah. It's always – these coaches are employed as coaches for a reason, okay? They're managers for a reason because they're smart people. They are. They know what they're doing, and they're paid to figure out a way to get around these rules to win baseball games. The the two other ones that you mentioned
2: that I do like are, you know – Listen, we can't have people taking 15 minutes to get the right to get the right call. You got 2 minutes, figure it out.
3: No, no, okay, so this is the one that I have a problem with. Literally. Is there is the the 2-minute guideline for replay officials it. to render absolutely a decision? I absolutely love it. So, why are you giving them a timeline on to make a right call or because not? What if it's a close play? What if it's a Okay, you can't take 15 minutes. I agree. But if there's 2 minutes, a 2-minute guideline, okay? And after 2 minutes, you haven't decided if a home run ball's out or not? and they have to make a decision they're just going to be like okay uh okay so it's a home run so let's just use that and they're not sure they're just spitballing they're just talking because they don't know if it's a home run or not so why are you forcing them to make decisions that might not be right you can't and do and that you that's have a good to point. you have to make them you have to give them the time allotted to make the right call at the same time if they're sitting in there and, and picking their butt and they're not doing something the proper way then okay it shouldn't take 15 minutes it should take seven minutes right but if they need seven minutes to get the call right then give them seven minutes don't say after two minutes okay that's done and it says here allowing various exceptions that's in the rule so you would think and you would hope that the mlb will say okay if these guys don't know the call Let's give them a couple extra minutes to figure it out. And if they don't, then this is the worst rule out of any of them because you're not giving them a chance to to decide whether a call is correct or incorrect.
2: Okay, how about on the other side of things? The manager has 30 seconds to figure it out. Now he can't stall time and call his bench coach to give somebody else a call no, that's watching and, the game.
3: And I agree with that. Like if For managers and, and, and for, for teams, rushing them... Adds a little bit of an element to the game, I think, as well as speeding things up. So uh, you've got to be even more on your toes as a manager and as a player as well. Uh, so I think that's going to be a good thing for the game in the end. Uh, in terms of engagement into the game, um, you've got to make a split second decision. If you're a manager, you've got 30 seconds for a manager to decide whether to invoke a play or a review. You're not just sitting there, and then you know John Gibbons, who's not watching the game, can get up and say, "Okay, so was it a should we challenge or not?" Yeah. And then he walks slowly, and you know, you know how Gibby is. Yeah, right? I so.
2: understand. And 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 on that note, Michael, so we've covered the three: the intentional walk, the two minute rule. And then the 32nd, what is the the final one that, that we are going to cover before we wrap up the show? When a
3: manager exhausts his challenges for the game, cheats, crew chiefs can invoke replay review for non-home run calls beginning in the 8th instead of the 7th. Oh,
2: does that really matter? No. I mean, it's the 7th the
3: the or 8th? I mean, like, in, in the 8th inning instead of the 7th, so they're bumping it down so that... Uh, less reviews will happen, essentially. Well, I mean, we've we've
2: seen reviews go wrong. So I think you have a point with the two-minute one, but uh, we have... uh, I'm okay
3: with that, too. Like, in, in the end, it's not it's whatever it it, it is it is what it It is but i don't think you should be rushing the people and upstairs when they're when they're looking at the video and they're trying to get the right call
2: good point as we are going to wrap up episode 54 of around the diamond on ckdj 1079 next week we will be joined with adron chambers on the show for episode 55 thanks so much for listening thank you to michael nellis sebastian boucher and Talib steve for joining us on this week's show we will see you next week for episode 55 of around the diamond on ckdj 1079 again we'll see you next week